Welcome to the Made in Excellence podcast. I'm Jacoby Madewell. We believe we are made in God's image and that he has called us to do great things. We are here to share how we have and are building our personal leadership and life's legacies through wealth. We are all about having a positive mindset, an attitude of gratitude, and believe that we are the sum of the five people we surround ourselves with. Come join us and help us grow and become better together. Let's dive in. Um, why don't we just start off here with just uh, do a little life story. Why don't you just tell me who you are? Okay. Hi, Phil. All right. Tell cool. me who you are. Cool. Yep. My name is Philip Gosco. I am uh, the uh, business coach and director of sales at Madewell Real Estate. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, amongst other things. I've known you 2016? Something like that. Yeah, 2016. So yeah. the way Phil, I don't remember, if, I don't think it's exactly how you and I met. But Phil and I were part of a young professionals organization that um, brought a lot of people together. It was actually your brainchild, yep. you and three or four other people. Yep. And I say brainchild, maybe it was somebody's, but you were the implementer. Yeah. Was- and about four of y'all turned it into a large organization. But we met through that because I mm-hmm. launched a young professionals chapter. And we met through the funniest um, uh, circumstances in this group chat. I had ordered a vest with the logo on it. And the vest came in and it was a women's like size small or medium. And so I was like super pumped to get the logoed vest and I put the vest on and I tried the vest on and it is not only a <laughs> medium, it's women's medium. And I'm not um, a medium in a men's size, much less a women's. And so the picture of me that I had my wife Haley take and send out was what was sent out and went to Phil and two others. And that group chat still goes today yeah. and was actually going nuts all morning long, about 43 messages by 8.30 a.m. and <laughs> Michael, yeah. are you wearing a lady suit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got it in the bin. Everybody's digging to the bin. I think we, uh, I, I mean, I, we all obviously have that on our phone somewhere. So I'm going to have to dig that up Gosh. because it is, it's the picture that solidified our friendship mm-hmm. and what eventually became our business partnership yeah, as well. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, but yeah, that, that 2016, um, that's when we met. I actually just told a story to somebody this morning that I remember walking into, it was a bar. It was an after hours event that we were going to. And uh, Jacoby was there along with another friend who is just as high energy, if not maybe higher energy. Guy must be incredible. And I, um, I, I'm a very introverted extrovert, so I hit my limit of people, and I had hit my limit that day. And Jacoby and this other guy were just loud and excited, and I was like, I remember talking to a friend of ours or turning to a friend of ours, and I said, I can't handle this right now. I'm gonna have to go. <laughs> like I. Either they go or I go, and I, I'm not going to tell them to leave. So that's I'm, hilarious. I, I ended up staying around. Yeah, you did. Yeah, but I'm glad. I'm super glad that I did. Well, that it's day. hilarious though that I do have my energy is the one thing that I know is like a gift. Like I control that energy. But today I had no energy. I was not feeling it, and it was you that were like, "Yeah, I got you. I got the energy. Let's do this." I become more animated in front of like on a stage and in front of people versus mm-hmm. like in small groups. I, yeah. I think that what the biggest fear that people have is public speaking. And that's like, I'd rather talk to a crowd of a thousand people than to a small group of people. I think it's public speaking and death mm-hmm. are like the top two. Yeah. And so. then there's like a number, another statistic that I throw out there um, as far as stress levels, public speaking, death, like cancer is a stress level. And then moving is like number four. Yeah. And that's what we do for a living. Yeah. A lot of those, I mean, I'm not in the business of death, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah uh, public speaking and, Working with people. Yeah. Moving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, 
Tell me, you've been licensed 12 years, 14 years? 12 going on 13 years. Okay, okay. Where'd you start? How'd you do it? Yeah, um, so I started in South Texas in the Rio Grande Valley in McAllen. That's where my hometown's at. Um, was there for a couple of years before. Um, I was actually there two years before I started to lead my own brokerage. Well, not my own brokerage. I got hired to lead a brokerage. Okay. Um, and I was 25 when that happened. So yeah. that was probably one of the coolest things that I can look back on my life and go, yeah, I did that because there were agents in that brokerage who had been in business for 30 plus years. Yeah, longer than you've been alive. Longer than I've been alive. And so it was a huge, I think a lot of what I learned in this industry goes back yeah. to managing people who had been in business longer you've been alive. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's a, you got to jump right in. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the coolest things I've been amongst a lot of cool things I got to do in my career, but that was, that's what kind of set me on that path of like always looking for something big to do. You've been coaching, teaching client uh, agents. I say clients, but those are your clients teaching agents as business owners, you name it. It doesn't have to be a real estate specific. You've coached everybody. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about coaching people? Um, I think like you and I have talked about before, I'm an implementer. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I'm a strategist, not a big picture person, um, I'm not a vision caster, but I'm an implementer and I'm and I'm a strategist. Um, and so I think with business owners, typically they are big thinkers and they are vision casters and they've got the big vision. And so what I do really well is come in and say, here's how we can implement that. I mean, and you right. and I have done that plenty of times right. since we've been in business together. You mm-hmm. go, hey, this is what I'm going to want. This is what I want. Even right. down to small things. You say, hey, this is what I want. I'm like, all right, I can do that. Yeah. So that's the cool thing. Um, watching people's wheels turn in their head. Um, I am competitive. So that, that's part of coaching is not only winning for yourself, but help watching other people win. Um, and I'm people driven. I'm not the biggest extrovert, but I am people driven. And so watching people win, um, getting to use the strengths of like strategy um, and implementation. Um, and there's, and, and I guess just, for me and, and Jacoby, you know this. One of my biggest things is is learning about human behavior. So being a coach um, and helping people grow their business as well as growing business is like I always say it's my my psychology lab. Mm-hmm. It's my place where I get to uh, test out everything that I've learned and see what works and and it's it's the research and figuring out what makes the brain tick. It's specifically yeah. when it comes to entrepreneurs, when it comes to business owners, uh, people who are looking to grow. It's not just business, but people who are looking for growth, um, getting to coach business owners is my psychology lab and really doing research and figuring out what ticks, what works and how, how the brain works. Yeah. One of the things I love about you is you are one of the most least judgmental people I've ever met. Yeah. I don't know why, but I don't know if you have a reason for just being so non-judgmental. I like to think I'm not, but then I know I'm very human yeah. and I am. I think it's the case for most of us. But you're so non-judgmental. I love that about you, and I love your compassion for people. Um, and I think that kind of goes hand in hand. And we always say that you kind of will take people from where they are and approach them at where they're at. Yeah. Versus somebody will approach me, and I'll look at where they're trying to go. Yeah. Tell me, like, how do you kind of stay so judge non-judgmental, and how do you kind of stay in that compassion sense? Where mm-hmm. that where's that root from for you? Yeah, I think you and I are are super lucky to have been part of a, a large organization that really taught us a lot about understanding who we are and how we work. Uh, so I'd say that's part of it. Um, but I tell everybody the biggest lesson that I ever learned in life was that people's brains don't work like yours does. Mm-hmm. And when you understand that, 
you can have such better results in talking to them, working with them, whatever that might be. But I think it sums up it, the the summary of that is my brain doesn't work like your brain. Right. And I have to understand that and I have to appreciate and respect that. And so, again, being a nerd for human behavior and the brain, when I learned that, the entire world changed for me. And that was at the very that, that was the very beginning of my real estate career when yeah. when my um, brokerage manager at that time told me, Phil, get it through your head. Your your brain does not work like anybody else's. Like right. you're a very, very unique person. Right. Um, and so that's where the meeting people where they are comes in mm-hmm. is because yeah. you just understand their brains out your brain. And it really like I, all I was looking for was some sympathy in that moment because I was mm-hmm. upset with a deal that wasn't going well. Right. And I, I still think and I've, we've, we've had this conversation. I've had this conversation with her before. But to this day, I don't think that she really thought that was going to be a life-altering moment. And it truly was. Because yeah. at that point, I go, I thought, wow, you know what? I think I've always thought that my brain worked differently from everybody. And now I know that it does because somebody just pointed out to me. Uh, but the other side of that is that she was right. Like, if I understand how other people's brains work, like my life, like there's less stress in my life. And I right. think that's one of the things people always say, like, you're so unbothered by most things. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, because it's, I understand that their brain works and it gives some grace because my brain doesn't work that way. Um, and I have to think about, okay, what's going on in their head? So it goes back to the world is my psychology lab. And I'd say with that, um, we look at that as a negative thing that our brains work differently. And, you know, think about I'm a big mental health guy. We don't talk about it enough. Yep. We're okay with sending somebody to the doctor, but they want to go to the psychiatrist to the therapist, and it's kind of judged upon. Um, but when we look at it, we think, man, oh, you you don't think that way. You don't do that. And you have literally taken that as a positive and yep. said, like, my brain does not work yours like yours does. This is why that works, and this is what we're going to do. And that's how you coach those yep. clients and agents. So you said something that makes the brain tick. So as an entrepreneur, a business owner – Watching me alone, but like you've watched many successful people, what do you think it is in the self-starters, entrepreneurs, that sort of a realm of people that makes their brain tick? Yeah. Uh, I think when it comes to entrepreneurs, um, and I had this conversation with with a buddy this morning when working out, uh, when it comes to entrepreneurs, again, I I think our brains are just wired a little bit differently. Um, It is one of those things where variety is the spice of life and entrepreneurship right. gives you that spice. Um, we like to keep things spicy. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think that's the first part is, is a, someone's brain that is looking to just be expanded. Um, and I know I've heard it said multiple times, a brain expanded will never go back. Mm. And I think that's one of the really cool things in entrepreneurship is like people will, when their brain gets expanded, now they've got these new thoughts and they've got these new ideas and there's never going back to who they were before that. Um, and so I think the entrepreneur mind that works that way is really cool because, yeah, like they, they're, they're looking for the next thing. Um, I think the challenge becomes, the again, going back to the implementation, which is the part that I the, – that's the part yeah. that I love is the implementation part. Um, so that's that's a really cool thing about it. Talk to me about implementation because when you said spice of life, I actually wrote down spice of life is kind of one of the things entrepreneurs look for. It's the shiny object. Yeah. Hello, me, squirrels, yeah. Mr. Shiny Object. How do we how do entrepreneurs or what would you coach or say entrepreneurs really need to do to go from spice of life shiny object versus consistency and implementation there? 
Excellent question. And and I just had a, an aha moment that it, it maybe the the typical entrepreneur mind is that squirrely like ADHD mind that mm-hmm. might be part of it is like their brain is always on to the next thing where, whereas I don't get it cause my brain doesn't work that way. But, right. um, I'm going to say a normal person, maybe that's not the right word, but, but a normal person who doesn't have the entrepreneurial mindset is very good with staying on that one track and like their, their brain's not hopping to the next thing versus I know your brain moves really quickly and you're on right. to the next idea pretty quickly. Um, and so, um, Reaching consistency is, I think, figuring out what you want first. Like, what do you really, truly want? Um, and that goes back to really figuring out who you are. We talk about big why a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I struggled with for a long time is really figuring out my purpose in life. Right. I think we I, that's probably the human condition. It's like we're all looking for what our purpose is in life. Um, and some people find it. Some people don't. Right. Um, but finding what makes you come alive at the beginning of my career, um, I felt like my big why had to be building wells in countries and like starting orphanages. And I I saw all these people that had these really awesome goals and I felt bad because I didn't have those. And so yeah, my, my goal was like, yeah, I want to like plant churches and I want to build wells and I want to build orphanages. And and the more that I kept running with that, like, this is why I'm in business. This is why I'm making money. The harder that it got, because that wasn't truly what I wanted. Um, and it wasn't your, it wasn't my why. It wasn't your why. You were it, trying to do somebody else's why. It was, it was a why that I felt was in the entrepreneur society or even within that group of people that maybe I've had, I was associating with in business. Um, I was peer pressured into it, I guess. Yeah. And as someone, I, I typically don't feel like I'm easily peer pressured. Yeah. But I think when it came to having a why in a power behind my business, I felt like I got pressured into that. And I did struggle at points in my career because I couldn't connect with it. And mm. I, I had a phenomenal coach who at some point really sat down and said, are you like, okay, you're not connecting with that. Let's, let's talk about that. And yeah. we had to sit down and we wrote a list of things like of, of my personal values and in there, none of them nowhere near the top of my list. Nowhere. Even I think on that original list was the word charity or any, anything that was that original big why. Right. And that's when I realized like, okay, this is where I'm, this is why I can't, this is why I'm not hitting my stride in business. So connecting to the big why, Back to consistency. Yeah. Kind of okay, bridge that gap from yeah. there for people that are listening. Yeah. So I think if you want to be consistent, you have to figure out why you're going to be consistent. And then you have to pick one thing. And that's the hard part for that's the hard part for those of us with like a ADHD object, yeah. yeah brain is it's hard to pick one thing and run with it. So I think going back to like a go that was a long way to come back. Uh, no, I loved it though. That yeah, was brilliant. That the finding that one thing that works for you, mm-hmm. finding the thing that like sets your soul on fire um, and then figuring out how can I keep running in that direction for an extended period of time? Because I think that again, the challenge in that inconsistency is that we, we see something uh, we see something that we want and we'll run towards it for a little bit and we'll get tired and run towards something else thinking that we're going to get there faster. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. understanding that we're not going to get anywhere in business fast. And I think that's also a, that's a 
a lie that may be perpetuated by influencer, uh, influencer, um, culture. Yeah. Instant gratification. Yeah. There's like, there's always a get rich quick scheme. There's, and now the influencers are, are pushing those a lot faster. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's, that's one of the challenges. And so I think one of the things that I learned is that when it comes to consistency, like it's gonna suck. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you're in that spot where it's not fun or you're stressed, like building a business, building an empire, like building a dream, it's not supposed to feel good. Right. It's not going to be, it's not going to feel good until way down the road, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's the thing is we are an instant gratification society. Right. And that's where the lack of consistency comes in. And I think us as millennials, we were the first people that we had, we had access to the internet and Mm -hmm. we had everything we possibly could want. Um, it was much easier for us to get that stuff. And we were, and now as we move through the new generations who always had all the access to the internet, um, it was very easy to get stuff. You had options. I think that's, that's the thing is if you look back at previous generations, they didn't have as many options as we did. Right. So it was very easy for them to pick something and run with it. Now, when you're given a ton of options and you're raised in a world where all you have is options as an entrepreneur, when you're starting to figure out what do I want to do, you still have options. Right. And so moving forward through those options, once something gets sticky or you're like, oh, man, I don't really like this. I'm like not having fun anymore. Entrepreneurship supposed to be fun. It's very easy to hop to the next idea. Yeah. Super easy. Like you can go. I can't tell you how many like in my inbox that I probably deleted today was like, hey, here's a way to make some money. Like, mm-hmm. do you want to come do this? Or right. like. For five thousand dollars, we'll set up a new business for you. And I'm right. Like, oh, okay. That's the cool. Amazon businesses are popular right now yeah. too. So one thing that you have talk about your um, talk about your big why there. Yeah. And all I can think of is awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's on. It's and on. Nobody, my, my, nobody knows what that means. But tell us about your mission statement, your yeah. big why, and how that ties in there, and where you came up with it. Yeah. So as I uh, going back to the conversation, um, at some point in my business, I was. I mean, this is really probably 2017 when this all came about. So I'd been in business since 2010, 2011. So I'd been in business for like six years now. And I was running an office of about 300 real estate agents. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. No, no stress at all. Yeah. Um, running an office of about 300 real estate agents. And I was not happy in what I was doing. Hmm. And I went back to thinking. Wait, you were at the top though. It's it's lonely at the top, <laughs> yeah. but also it's it's one of those things where you can be at the top and be perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people don't understand those challenges that are there. Um, but I I caught myself in a place where I'm like, I this is one of the first of many times where I was like, I'm is this life for me? Um, I I realized I'm not like I'm not really connecting with what I'm doing every day. Like I'm just. I'm going through the motions, like I'm having some success, mm-hmm. question mark, um, having some success, but am I truly happy with what I'm doing? So that's when I, I was talking to my coach and I said, well, here's my big one. And she's like, how do you feel about it? And I'm like, I mean, it's cool. Yeah. So she sat down and she said, let's figure out what your values are. And so we did a values exercise and I figured out like for me, one of the, my big values was um, my people. One of my biggest values was freedom. Um, and one of my biggest values was um, experiences. Yep. So those were three, three big things. And 
that has nothing to do with building wells in, mm-hmm. in other countries or starting right. an orphanage. And so she's like, well, there's the, that's it right there. Like you're lying to yourself with your big why. And so when I, she said, take your values and build your big why through that. And so um, I, it, it, it kind of came down to, I want to create experiences with the people around me, the people that are important to me. Um, and I want to do that in different places. And I, I want to, I just want to create experiences that I feel people can create experiences with their people and it kind of radiates out into the world. Um, and so I wrote down all these notes and I'm like, this is like an essay. And I said, okay, how could I sum this up? And a friend of a friend of ours, actually, uh, Kevin in Pittsburgh, um, had sent me this, uh, photographer. His name is Slim Aaron's. Okay. And his, his photos were all of beautiful people doing beautiful things in beautiful places. And I thought, Perfect. okay, Okay, we're we're going somewhere, but beautiful is not the word. And so I said, you know what? For me, my my mission statement and like what I want out of my life is awesome people doing awesome things in awesome places, and that incorporated the people, the relationships that were one of my values. Um, it incorporated experiences, and it, it incorporated being able to take my people and have experience with them, experiences with them in awesome places, and so. The really cool thing is like once I started to do that, like the world started to change. And I'm like, okay. Um, I had another friend out in California that she uh, she Skyped in to my team one time to talk about the big why. Yeah. And I, I, we, I think as entrepreneurs, we think our big why has to be like, that's the battery that runs our business. That's the battery that runs our motivation. And she said, that's a lie. Said, it's not the battery that runs your business. It's not the battery that like creates your motivation. It is the filter by which you make decisions. Oh, interesting. And that to me said, like, again, earth-changing, like, mind-shattering moment was my big why is not, yes, some days it's going to be your motivation. Yes, some days it's going to be your battery. But if I want to look at it as the filter by which I make all my decisions, then it, like, changes the world. So when you invited me to get in business with you, yeah, that's that's how I made that decision. Does this get me closer to awesome people doing awesome things in awesome places? And the answer obviously was yes, which is why I'm here. Yeah. Um, and so it's one of the things that I think of and that, that is like, there's things that I say, I'm not going to do that because that takes me further away from that. Yeah. So, man, I love that. I love hearing it. When I hear it, it just gets me amped up. Yeah. I mean, too. I'm like, I'm like, I'm catching myself throwing my hands all over the place now. So when you're Uh, sitting across from somebody coaching them, we talked about big why, we talked consistency, we talked focus, then we talked like the amount of time it takes running in that direction. And then you talk about the filters and some of that sort of things. When you're talking to somebody that does not have, clearly you love the brain and you have so much training. How do you break that down? Is it just takes so long to sit and coach with you? Or can you literally sit and coach somebody for 90 minutes? And say, go. Yeah. Well, I think when it comes to coaching, um, I mean, I've I've been in, in multiple different worlds and I've had some really phenomenal business coaches over the years, which I think is part of my style has to do with some of those coaches. But I've also seen a lot of coaches that try to do a one size fits all approach. Like this is the playbook, step one, step two, step three. Like if you're not succeeding, it's because you skip skip step two. Um, going back to like just thinking about the brain, everyone's brain works differently. Again, that's also now one of the big things. Like I filter all, all of my coaching through, through that, that thought. And so the first step is really figuring out how does this person's brain work? That's your first step. That's the very first step is really, truly understanding 
and it, it's it's for me I've got um I've got a process in asking questions just to figure out where they're at where their emotional levels are um we oftentimes do behavior assessments which is another one right. of the things that I'm absolutely a nerd about yep. is behavior assessments um, I do know that <laughs> you talk to me about behavior assessments I can I can talk about that all day also but really figuring out what does their natural behavior look like yeah um there's two sets of behaviors that you really want to look at. One is what's the behavior when they're in the zone, like in their comfort zone. Okay. And what's their behavior look like when there's a little bit of stress or a little bit of the outside world applied onto them. Okay. Because people, it's not comfort versus outside world. Yeah. The thing is that we don't exist in a vacuum. So our behavior doesn't exist in a vacuum. Um, There are all kinds of, outside forces always pushing on us. And um, I think the part about that is that um, I think we, we, we talked about this in business planning um, with the agents recently is that we're, we're getting over 2 million bits of information at any moment. And the brain can only process about 128 bits of that. Yeah. So if you think about 2 million toothpicks falling from the ceiling right now, and I can only catch 128 of them, there's so much else happening there, but the 128 that I catch are going to be different from the 128 that you catch or Mitch catches or Jackson catches. Like, So everyone's having a, a different experience. And so that's what I, that's my first step is figuring out what does their experience look like when that, when they're out in the world. It's hmm. awesome. So as an implementer, and I say an implementer, cause I feel like you kind of help that you kind of I heard a deal this morning talking in my book uh, about vision casting. Mm -hmm. Go figure. I'm listening to something about visions. (laughs) Um, Vision casting, you know, implementation. How do you take that and help somebody else catch a vision and catch a vision? Because I feel like visions and implementing are two separate things. Yeah. How do you help somebody catch a vision or cast a vision? I see people catch cast a vision and then also become the implementer into their own business and own things. Yeah, I think going back to, um, I think it starts again with values. What what it's important to them because yeah. if someone that doesn't have the values that that will push them in the right direction, then their vision may be completely different. Mm. So Jacoby, you, you you've got a, a massive vision. Like every like you're like okay, we've got this new business coming yeah. up, and we've got this new business coming up. Um, some people their vision doesn't have to be that big. It doesn't have, and that there's nothing wrong with that. I think that was a challenge that I had to work through at some point also in thinking that everyone's vision had to be very big. Like mm-hmm. early on in my coaching career, um, I was like, why doesn't everybody want to be a millionaire? Right. And the honest truth is that not everybody wants that. Um, and some people are very honest with themselves and they're like, oh, I just feel like I have a, even, even now when I, I see people's goals, I'm like, that's a pretty attainable goal. Do you, do you want more than that? They're like, no, I'm perfectly happy with that. Um, so happiness is different for each person. Exactly. I think that that's, that was a huge awe for me is that your happy is different from my happy and Mm -hmm. I can't impose my happy on you because that's not going to make you happy. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause I think about stages of life and chapters. And if you just look at Mitch's chapter, Mitch is finishing school, learning a whole new system of ours and all this stuff that he's doing with us. His happiness is going to look completely different than my happiness. So yeah, going back to the, to just creating a vision out of that is figuring out what what makes you happy, um, figuring out what what's of value to you, yeah. um, and then from there, 
I'd say helping them figure out what direction do they want to go in. Right. Um, Because I always said that for myself, I didn't know exactly where I was going to go. Like, I didn't have a, a very specific, like, this is what I want. But I knew exactly which direction it was in. Yeah. So do you have a vision for yourself today? Or is it just you're just kind of happy where you're at? Um, I'm happy where I'm at and I do have a vision of where I'm going. Cause it, it is like I, like I said, as, as an implementer, what I really, what I really realized for me is that getting businesses off the ground is, is the place that I enjoy. Right. Um, I don't know, even if I, as I look at all the brokerages that I've been at, the specific role that I had was either turning a brokerage around or launching a brokerage from the ground up. Right. And, and that's what really got me excited. And I realized like, that's what I like to do. And so that's where coaching is awesome. Cause it's, it's that exact thing with agents. It's helping them get their business off the ground. And so I've, I've realized that for me, a niche is that like that launch phase, which is part of why, I mean, I, I wrote a whole course called blast out right, exactly. like real estate agents. Um, also I have, a, just, I have a thing for outer space. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, uh, Space City, H-Town. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you said you've launched and, and uh, helped people turn around brokerages. How many people do you think that you've sat across from uh, agents-wise in an interviewing setting? Mm-hmm. Not even just straight agents, but how many do you think you've done? Yeah, I know that my numbers are uh, over my career. I've hired over 400 real estate agents, um, which means that if we were doing... Is that eight to 10,000? Yeah, if we're doing like maybe like eight to 10 people that I had to, to meet with in order to recruit one real estate agent. That means it was like, that number is, is big. I'm not a big, not yeah. mental math person. I like math, but I'm not a mental math person. But um, it, it's one of those things where the number of people that I've had the opportunity to sit down and talk business with is So tell me, so like tell it. me, um, I don't ever see you as a recruiter though. Uh, maybe that's what you did for a long time, but I don't feel like that's what you're now. Now I feel like you're more of a helper. Mm-hmm. Like you just literally want to help whoever's sitting across from you. But I would say when you're sitting across from these 10,000 people that you've sat across from, is there a reoccurring theme that you see over and over and over again, even in the most successful to the somebody that needs help? Um, if we're, so obviously my, my frame of reference and my, my lens that I'm looking through is from the real estate side of things. Right. Um, and so a really consistent thing that I thought was interesting, again, going back to the world is my psychology lab, um, is that most real estate agents, when they sat down with me, I said, oh, talk to me about why real estate? Because I think my first thought was like, if I can help them self-select out of this and figure out that this isn't the right field for them. It's going to save you time um, later. It's going to save me time yeah. as, as, as a manager of a brokerage. Um, but it also is going to save them time and money as well because yeah. it's it's not easy to be a real estate agent. So looking through that lens, I think the first thing that always came up was like, I really love people. And I'm like, this is going to be so tough for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> um because it, it, there's so much rejection in sales in general mm-hmm. um, and in entrepreneurship and building a business. There's so much rejection that, that you get. Um, real estate is a lead generation business. Right. Um, you don't just get a real estate license and automatically have all the business. Right. You have to go find it. You mm-hmm. have to be a hunter, um, which is a really cool thought. Also, I was listening to uh, an interview about hunters versus farmers. Um and that's a story for another time. Um, but you have to be a hunter uh, it, it, to, to get that going. And so because the the average person that wants to become a real estate agent is typically a highly sociable person, their biggest fear is rejection. Right. Which is the biggest thing that real estate agents have to deal with every single day. 
And so that's why you see the number, the turnover rate in real estate agents is, I think it's like 90% of real estate agents are out of the business within a couple of years. Right. First thing I also see if they don't want to, if it's not necessarily the people orientation, people want to get their license because they want to sell their own their own yeah. home. And then when they're done with that, they're kind of yeah. done with that. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those things where highly sociable people in a sales role have a big challenge. Mm. They have a very big challenge ahead of them. I've worked with a lot of, uh, not a lot, I'd say a small portion of the total agents that I've hired in my career and worked with are more introverted. Yeah. And they feel like they, they come in and they say, I'm an introvert. I'm not really good with people, but I want to be in sales. And I'm like, great. Actually, like, I really want to talk to you about this because the introverts and the process oriented people do so well in this business. Now, as introvert as, doesn't mean not driven. It doesn't mean that they're not driven. It just means that their social skills are a little bit different and the way they communicate is a little bit different than the extrovert. And for them, it's not necessarily about the good feelings, but it's about getting a job done. It doesn't mean that extroverts can't get the job done. Right. Introverts typically and more process-oriented brains right. can be given a list of steps. Mm-hmm. Step one, you do this. Step two, you do this. Step three, you do this. Versus typically the extrovert brain doesn't work that way. Like the extrovert brain is the like ADHD brain, like right. squirrely, like they're shiny object here and there. And I think that's part of the challenge. And if most of the people getting into real estate are those high sociable people, that's also the reason why maybe there's a 90% turnover rate. And I would say with the extroverts, the people like myself, we have to learn and understand. We have to be able to, one, we've talked about being self-aware. Yeah. You have to become the most self-aware person you've ever even met because that's how you internalize and go, I'm failing at this, 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 and this yeah. versus kind of having the narcissism side of it be like, I know what I'm doing. I'm a people person. I can make contacts. Yeah. I had to literally go hire. Uh, from day one, I had a transaction coordinator. Day one. Um, just because I know I was, I knew I was going to be terrible at that. Yeah. And um, I think that's the that's where people just kind of fall off. Yeah. That's, that's a huge thing. Yeah. And we did. I mean, this is a conversation that's come up a lot today, but even just in general, is being self-aware. And I think understanding what those pitfalls could be right. for our own personality types. I know what mine are. You know what yours are. And again, we either have to become that person. That doesn't mean that we can't become that person. Because my brain has definitely changed over the years. Right. But the alternative to that is finding the people to fill in the gaps for you. Right. It is having the leverage. It's having the resources around you. Because if you can't do it yourself, then you need to find the people that are going to do it. Right. With you or for you. Right. So, um, okay, I love the idea of standing on stage, a million people in front of you, billboard that the whole world gets to drive by. Um, this is kind of a little switch gear still on the same topic. But let's say that every person gets to hear your message. What message do you want that to be? Ooh, awesome question. Um, I think I said that this morning, and I think my message is helping people think at a higher level. Um, I think sharing that message that not everybody's brain works the same way has mm-hmm. kind of been part of like my rally cry in, in business and in this world is I, I can tell you that like even my friends around me, they're like, they get so much. I roll my eyes because I'm thinking of them listening to me talk to them about the brain and what's going on in their brain. Um, and I go, hey, I think you're probably thinking this, right? Is this what the, like, the reaction that you're probably having right now? And they're like, get out of my brain. Yeah. <laughs> get out of my brain, Phil. Um, 
but again, it's it's one. It's something that's that fascinates me. Something that that I'm passionate about. So I think what has changed my world is knowing that. And so for me, sharing that message with other people is important to me because I think that that's the big disconnect amongst us as humans is that we all look at things through our own lens. Mm -hmm. And then the big challenge is because you're not looking at it through my lens and I don't know that you're looking through your lens. And I, I'm a, I hate you because of that. I said that to somebody this morning. Um, I can't remember what or who we were talking about, but I said it to, uh, I said, I was talking about a specific person and, and I said that person's never, um, will never look at it like somebody else sees it. Mm -hmm. You know, that, it's not, it was kind of sort of in a way of they're never wrong but they won't even try to listen to the other person's point of view yeah. to see that. And that's the whole point. It's, it's hard. I mean, I, I, I give so much grace to those people that, that don't can't look through or can't understand or don't understand. It's not that they can't, everyone can, they don't, or they haven't had the opportunity to understand that they're looking through their own lens. Okay. So let's see. Okay. So give me, you said that um, you want everybody to basically, be able to understand that my brain is not your brain. That's basically your billboard message. Yeah. Go tell me one more like um, okay, if that's the message you want everybody to know, then how do you then kind of what's the first kind of steps you take take there? Is it just grace? Is it just forgiveness? Is it who? Um, you can only give so much grace, right? So I think first step is. It, and when I say grace, maybe that's that's too generous of a term, mm -hmm. but it, it may be understanding that they don't understand yet. It's like, I, I don't know what I don't know, or they don't know what they don't know. Right. And so when you know that, then it, you have to approach it. If you know, like, if you're looking to move forward a relationship or a situation or a conversation, step one like, I can't get Ben out of shape because if I get Ben out of shape, then we all, like, everything falls apart. Right. So someone has to maintain control, and it should be us. Right. We, it's because we can, we can control ourselves. Um, and so when I say grace, it's, it's probably, it probably, the better way to say it is understanding that they don't quite understand. Then it has to be, the next step has to be helping them understand that they don't understand. And that's where that's where the real art is right. in getting that conversation moving. Yeah, love that. Um, the other thought I have is a personal thought is my big one of my big whys. Well, my mission statement for myself is to create um, an environment of positive encouragement, dreaming to experience heck yes moments with all those around me. But one of my other thoughts is that I want to have a legacy that I think back to my grandparents, family. Um, my family's super close and I want to have a legacy that's built around the right values, the right memories. And then of course I want to have the legacy built through wealth. Mm -hmm. What do you want your legacy to be? Yeah, I think for, I've, I've thought about this before and actually as I've coached agents in the past, um, specifically my top agents, um, legacy is a question that always comes up because that is also, it, it can help shape a big vision. It can help shape a why. And so the way that I got to that was with a lot of my top agents, I used to ask them the question at your funeral and here we go. Let's like get dark and heavy for a second. Sure. Um, at your funeral, what do you want people to say about you? Like, do you want the room packed? Do you want it to be small, like an intimate, like small group of people think about the end of your life. Like, what does that day look like? I've thought about that so much. I, I mean, I've asked the question so a lot. So it's so gruesome, it. but it's like I've I've thought about that so many times. Yeah, and that's why I said let's let's get dark for a second. It's fine. Like this is it's part of life. We all die. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I ask everybody, what do you want that to look like? Like some people told me, I just want my close like family, like very small. Like this is a very small thing. And some people say, hey, I want like I want it to be this big. For me personally, I'm one of those people that when I ask myself that question, I'm like, I want the funeral home overflowing with people. And I want people telling stories and I want people remembering all the good time and and remembering experiences. And so that goes back to awesome people doing awesome places, awesome things in awesome places. Um, So I think that's the first part of that in figuring out what your legacy is, is like, I want like a line out the door, like at my funeral, like, cause people can't get in cause the room is full. And so what does that mean to me? Like, what does that mean? Who do I need to be in order to be that for that to happen is I need to be someone that is constantly bringing people into my world and constantly improving their world. So when I look at that and I think about my legacy, it is, it is family and it is friends and it is, it it radiates from there. And it starts with, again, me being able to help people create experiences in their world and them being able to create experiences in the worlds of the people around them. And so while it's not changing the world in a like traditional sense of the way it is kind of radiating really cool experiences out into the rest of the world through my people and then their people. Yeah. That's cool. While you're talking, I literally can visualize things in my life that you're saying in yours, but I'm like, I want, yeah, yeah, I want that. I want that. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's why part of the reason why, why we get along. Yeah. We get along as well. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So, uh, you have like one of the just most intense brains I've ever met. It's always <laughs> love sitting across from me. I learned so much. Um, there's definitely going to be more of this, more content uh, from you and I just yeah. as we go through, do this together. But man, just thanks for this. Appreciate just getting to talk to you. Awesome. Thank anything you. I missed? Anything you want to shout out, say, last something everybody needs to know? <laughs> uh, final thought. Um, it's funny. I used to, in a previous brokerage that I used to run, um, after every meeting, people would always ask me for Phil's final thought. Um, <laughs> I love that. I'm yeah. going to implement that now. I haven't Phil's done that in a long time, either, right. but you just, you just unlocked this hidden part of my brain just now. Um, Phil's final thought. I mean, I think it, it goes back to, Hey, the experiences that we have are, are different and my brain doesn't work like yours. Yeah. And it, it's cool when you get to learn that that's not the, that's not the situation or that is the situation that our brains are different. So yeah. That's, that's kind of the way that I've shaped my whole world. Man, love that. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate Thank you. you.